As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Mark Dempster, part two. Oh, um, the camera rocked then, James. I think you might have, it's, it's right by your foot. You, you're touching the tripod leg. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. Right. <laughs> La! Mark Dempster, part two. I had a lot of messages saying this was the funniest podcast I've ever seen. Just laughed my ass off all the way through part one. We had such a blast. It had to happen. Mark is back. We've got more insane smuggling yeah. stories. If you've not checked this book out, nothing to declare. Link will be in the description box below this video. And Mark was coming in today, looking at the surroundings and asking, what, what's all this new setup about? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Like an yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's cool. Thank you. Um, Does it remind you of any of your uh, Mediterranean adventures? I, well, uh, yeah, I, I, it reminds me of being in Cuba, but but I was I was clean by the time I went to Cuba, so it was all. But I was there uh, learning to dive, and it was when in two thousand and one when the twin towers got hit, and I was actually in Cuba of all places in the world to be. And I, I remember going into the bar, like the we were learning. To, I was learning to do the first part in the swimming pool, um, the party, and then I went into the bar area, and the towers were getting hit. And as the towers were getting hit, there was a sense of jubilation in the air with the Cuban people. And Fidel Castro <clears throat> came on the TV, and I remember him doing a speech. No, he used to do epic speeches. Anyway, so yeah. Right, Cuba. Yeah, it reminds me of Cuba. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I was doing all that business, I wasn't really quite diving around in uh, the waters. Uh, certainly wasn't uh, dropping big packages into the water as well. That a lot of people do, don't they, around around the world and these island countries where they have to get the drugs into. So we've got a slew of new stories here. Okay. Yeah, chocolate dealing. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that I, I never I never explained that to begin with, and I thought it's probably good to so get the background of the personality that becomes the drug dealer, really. So if you take it back to its roots, really, from a young boy, I was always steal I was stealing from quite a young age, and I used to have a paper round, and um, when uh, when I used to go into the paper shop, it was a, a paper shop called Young's. I think it's gone now. I think the ladies are both dead, so so I can I can say this sort of okay without any repercussions, I suppose. But uh, they used to ha I used to get 
like when I go in and get the paper bag and get the thing, I just take a, bo- a couple of boxes of fruit and nut and whole nut. And then I go to school, and this is primary school, and uh, where the little canteen bit was, I'd start to, to sell the chocolate at a reduced price because obviously it was all free. I'd just taken it. <laughs> so, so it hadn't cost me any money. So I was like, then I, I sold it all. And so if you fast forward, that type of mentality, that sort of sense of entitlement as well that comes with drug dealing. So if I can just take this from A to B and then it doesn't really matter. I'm exempt from the laws. That was already, that template was already beginning then. Well, I've got to ask, did you actually deliver the papers? Because I used to dump them. Yeah, did I I deliver the papers? Yeah, I did. Actually, there was a uh, disused factory in the village. And I used to just dump them in there. And I got away with it for a good couple of months before I got sacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they caught it caught. Yeah, and then yeah. lost my job. £13 a week, gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I think I did. I think it was quite diligent. I mean, I, of course, there was this whole other... So I was quite diligent with the paper thing, but I wasn't... Uh, but it was always, like, every day. And also, if you think of what is it that's really getting triggered there, there's this, there's this sense of... I want to be special, like I'm stealing, I'm I'm sort of a bit wayward, I'm a bit rebellious, I'm not the normal, so the girlfriend, so then that would attract, because I remember I used to have little girlfriends at that time as well, oh he's a wee bit, he's got more money, so there was this whole thing around, <laughs> like... You were flexing. Like, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, at that age. God. It starts young, doesn't it? <laughs> God. Still out now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Don't change much, Jesus. When's it going to change, Sean? Do you know? <laughs> ah, so moving on to yeah. your next story, which is the Amsterdam Connection. Right, okay, so the Amsterdam connection, um, I guess, is that to, I went to India, um, so back then, because there's another story, they're all going to sort of melt into one and something, something, I went to India, and so that was 1985, 1985 in Goa, and I met these guys, um, so, I'd brought, you could, back then, you could take video recorders and there was a three, 300% tax duty on electronic items in, in India for some reason. What year was this? So this was 1985, 1984, 1985. Yeah. So, so there was video recorders, you used to be big video recorders, you didn't remember them, yeah. And um, anyway, so I used, to, I knew about this and uh Somebody had said to me, look, Mark, you can get five kilos of hash for a video recorder, maybe even more. So, so you know, what you should do is you stick one of them in your rucksack or your bag and take that with you. And then obviously don't declare it when you go into the, um, go through. Now, back then, uh, there was, there was sort of like going into Delhi airport. I remember it really clearly because it was like third world. It was like 
there was there was cows. I remember there was cows <laughs> in the airport, right? I mean, I just remember thinking, not actually <laughs> in, the, in the not <laughs> actually in the customs, right? but yeah. but there was actually cows sort of meandering around, just like, and everybody was bustling around. Sacred cows, <laughs> yeah, right? And they're exactly. all sacred, so no one touches them, and they're all just meandering. <laughs> Even when you walk, they're, they're going along the road. I remember getting so impatient, thinking, <laughs> man, why they stop these cows, man? Every two minutes they're stopping, and the cows have got these bells round the thing and they're, they're like because uh, I, 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 I so like what is the definition of a sacred cow and it just gets to wander it's around like, it doesn't get milked it doesn't get free slaughtered free reign of India yeah they just yeah, wander just around the, India aye sacred animals and it? it's in the bag of baguette I, I think so they've, they've uh, reproduced and they're just everywhere I don't know everywhere everywhere and they're everywhere and it's a mad it's come a out of your house and there's just sacred uh, cows outside yeah and it's crazy morning. and it's a mad type of experience <laughs> when you come it's such a culture shock you know like going from the UK Heathrow or whatever and it's all sort of organised and machine you know like you know back then it was still really organised and then you hit this airport and it's all like everybody's like you know all the Indians are all around and, it, and it's so embedded in the culture that these animals are everywhere and and not just that there's that there's there's birds you know in the airport there's like so it's open there's an open air bit and there's this you know so anyway i get to uh i get to go uh and um i meet this guy mickey i've got the video recorder i've got i've also got a ghetto blaster i've got walkman so i mean most of the things actually in my bag were all electronic to get no, not really close because you don't. What you need, and you just need a t-shirt, really, a pair of shorts, and you're, you know, it's game on. So, <clears throat> and then I'm going along the roads in this motorbike, and uh, I meet this. I stop the directions, and I meet this guy Mickey. He takes me back to this house, and there's about five other English guys, and well, well, you're they're from different places, Norway and and Amsterdam, and uh, and they tell me all about. Uh, the different scams, these other scams that you can do, because they are all scam merchants. Now go on to it in a wee bit, but Mickey was my Amsterdam connection, and he was he was a Londoner, and he might be still alive, you know, alive now. But he he was like, oh, this is what we can do. Uh, I I I, uh, I have the LSD crystal. I get I have LSD crystal and. And Holland and, and, and any LSD, any other drugs that you want, I can think. So that was my, and I really liked them and we, we connected and, um, and that was it. That was the beginning of that, that connection. Okay. And then we have the Indian travel check scams. They did that on the serpent, didn't they? Oh, the serpent. Yeah. Have you seen oh, it? I've seen, seen the serpent. I've seen the serpent. Yeah. How wicked was that? I, I, he, I, he was a, yeah. He was ruthless, wasn't he? Really, murderer, really. And oh, yeah. I mean, he went I mean, murder. It started off with pinching money, drugging them, letting them go, then led on to murder, didn't he? Drowning them and everything. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. yeah. Sick. Yeah. And then he got caught, right, when he was old. Aye, but he never it. really. He still wound up going back. I mean, what happened? Yeah, he kind of gave himself up, didn't he? I get, yeah. He was out of the news. He went back, you know, put him back in the news, and he thought he could just slip through again. Yeah. But he was, yeah, they got him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, what was it? Uh, the what were we talking about? The they Indian, were talking uh, about travel checks. I travel checks, to... travel checks, right? So, I, yeah. So back then, as well, I don't know what it's like now nowadays, but you could buy traveller checks here. 
just, and as soon as you got to India or whatever, you just went to the police and you said, oh, my, my room's been broken into or whatever, or somebody's dipped me. And then whatever traveller checks you had, um, you you could, uh, you go to American. So you keep the traveller checks, obviously. <laughs> obviously, when that's not what normal people do. But, but, but if you're corrupt like I was, I would be, I'd go... I'd keep the travel checks and then I sell them in the black market for 50% and then you've got your new travel checks. But of course, American Express, Tom's Cook, whatever, they, they start to get, if you do it two or three times. So it's better you do it for a larger amount just once or twice than, than do it repeatedly for just a I couple mean, of I mean, how much were you swindling? Well, you get $5,000. So, right. it was, I mean, it's not but, but $5,000 in India is a lot of money. I mean, if you think of things like the kilos of hash were only 75, 100 pound a kilo. So it could get you a lot, a lot of hash or, or it could get, get you a lot of curries or it could get you like, you know, so. It, take, take us through how you connect with the black market and cash. In my in head, it. in my head. The day you did what? that. How I connect with the black market in my head or how I make those how reference you connect, points. How you, how you cash the checks in for 50%. Yeah. Take us through how you take, make, oh, right. so what, make the connection what is, and what you go and yeah, do. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Yeah, it's good. Uh, and also I used to I used to get dodgy money in India as well. So I used to get counterfeit money and I used to Monopoly go, money. I monopoly right, so mm-hmm. like fifty dollars and stuff like that. Fifty dollars, twenty dollars. Never used to do no, I did do a hundred dollars as well. I have done hundred dollars bills. Um uh and what I do, <laughs> this is so wrong as well, but it's this what was happening. Uh, I'd have the counterfeit money, and the the Indians were so greedy, you know, like they on the black market. So in the in the bank, it'd be twenty dollars, say twenty rupees for a dollar, but on the black market, it was like twenty five, maybe thirty. And they'd see as soon as they see a tourist, and there's a whole area. And con, there used to be a whole area in Connaught Place where all these guys used to hang out. They go buy, but they used to sell drugs. It was like buy hashish, heroin, whatever you want, but also change. They always used to go change money, change money. So I'd pull up in the rickshaw and I'd have like a couple of counterfeit, uh, whatever, say it was 50s, a bit. Um, and I'd go, yeah, yeah, can you, yeah, I'm in a bit of a rush or whatever. And they'd look at it and, and, the greed would get, you know, the eyes were bigger than the belly. So they'd be like, oh, yeah. I go, and I'd say a, 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 a bit lower than what I knew you could really get. So I'd go like, oh, I'll take 27 when I know you could get 30. And they would be so greedy. It'd just be like that. And then I'd just be, and they'd go, drive, drive, <laughs> drive. And then they'd be off. But it became really scary because the Indians, the Indians as a race, when... The, when you've ripped them off or when they find out one to one they're not necessarily that aggressive and they're not much of a threat but but when they get in a group they they, they can stone you they can you know I'll, I'll talk about that later on so anyway with the um, the, the, the thing with the travel check was I knew the same place that corner place is where all the guys hang out and they're like they're up to whatever really it can be anything really and then um <clears throat> i'd say okay i've got a thousand or i've got five thousand dollars 
and they'll go, okay, then come with me, come with me. And they take me to some wee room somewhere in the back of a building, go, let me see, let me see. And they see the traveller checks, and then I see the rupees. The rupees are not counterfeit, they're real rupees. And uh, and then we do the deal, and that's it. And then, you know, but we do the deal after I've already got my new traveller checks. I don't want to sell the old traveller, you know, before... Of course, I get my new ones because so, then I'm really so if, screwed. If, if they've been reported then, yeah, as uh, stolen, counterfeit, and you're counterfeit, do- and you're yeah. and you're doing a transaction after they've been reported because you got the new yeah. ones. How do they cash them in? I are don't they, know. They I've never. I, no, they, they they take them. They take. The, I think either they take them out the country because what wound up happening is near the ends of my. As it started to decline later on, my my drug dealing sort of lifestyle and it became less lucrative, <laughs> and I became more addicted. What happened is um, I wound up meeting this group who were much more heavy duty, probably bordering on what you'd call sort of mafia, Indian mafia type in the slums in Bombay. And they operated out of there, and uh, they were like. Uh, they'd done it on a really big scale. They were like getting loads and they were getting me to 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 cash them these checks and I was taking a commission on it. You know, obviously I was you know so so they do something with they they, they can it's some they sort can of manip- yeah, yeah. yeah of course there is how did you cash them? How did I cash them? Yeah. I just went in. I just went into the thing and just it was all European uh things so I just like I just thought like went, we went get- into what thing? So like sort of Western unions, I want to say. Uh, well, I, I, I was I was uh, g- going into uh, banks and things, banks. And, and so, yeah, and basically what I do, they get me, they spend because they'd spend ages getting me to do the signature, so it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> and then I would I would just go in and then just sign it over, sign it over, and just cash the checks, and I get the money, and then um, and whose then name were be, they in? Sorry? What name was it in? Different names, all different, all different like, names. All different names, yeah. yeah. So I just had to like get the signature perfect with it and then just go in and do the signature. So you had to and practice the signature I, before you I, went in? I, well, no, no, I had to practice the signature with them days before it. They, what they'd do is they'd meet up. I remember what used to happen was they'd sit with me and go, right, okay, let's do the signature, <laughs> right, and get this right. And then I'd do the signature with them and then... Uh, and then when they felt comfortable, we'll say, oh, that's it, that's it. Then we'll go in and do it. And they didn't ask for ID? No, I can't remember how, I, I, I can't remember how uh, the ID worked out. I can't remember if I had ID alongside it. I just remember, I don't I don't think I did. So I think it was back then you could just go in and cash them um, and you didn't need ID because it was the 80s. It was like... Did you ever nearly get caught? No, I never get caught with that. I, I never get caught with that. I get caught. No, I didn't get. I I think I nearly get caught with 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 my own checks one time when I was doing it because I never sold them on. I just tried to cash them because I thought, I, and and I nearly get caught there. But it was all doing small smaller scale. It was just like going into shops and buying loads of clothes and stuff. Wow. Around that time, was that Milana House of Hash and a sheep? Right, okay. So, Citaram, Siri, right. Okay, we've got You're going to gonna have to break this down. Citaram, Milana. Citaram, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. So, in the north of India, 
uh, the Himachal Pradesh. There's two valleys, the Parvati Valley and the Kulu Valley. And in between those two valleys, there's a, another village, which is a way up. You've got to travel for miles. I mean, like, so you've got to, you've got to be fit. To, you've got to trek, like, and at the top of the mountains, it's snow. And then you come down into this village and it's called Malana. And uh, so I took a guide. I took this little Nepalese guide from the Krishna temple. So there's a temple halfway up that thing. So, because I'd never been there. This is, so this is the first time that I went there. Went there several times after and I found my own way there. But so uh, you trek up. The, why you go to this village is the hash, the quality of the hash is much better than the neighbouring villages because it's higher up and there's altitude. The, the, the people know this shit. I don't, I don't know how. You just ask. But anyway, so I go there and... Um, I'm with this friend of mine who's going to carry, this is the first time he's going to carry the hash back for me and his suitcase. And so I'm taking him there. He's a bit overweight. He's a bit chunky, right? So so we're having to climb the mountain. He's really slow. I'm getting really impatient and tolerant with him. <clears throat> and um, the Nepalese guy's like a, a, like a goat, like a mountain goat. He's like up there. Like, so... Um, we eventually get down and it's starting to get dark because my friend's so slow. Also, we smoked a chillum at the top of the... <laughs> we smoked a chillum. A chillum? Itali- chillum. Italians know what a chillum is, no? No, what? Right, 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 okay. So a chillum's like a... It's like a cone. It's a pipe and they, they just stuff it. Basically, it's like a... It looks like a bit like a carrot, really. It looks like a carrot, but it's hollow inside and they fill it with hash and tobacco and... They do the Indians because they believe sheet hash like about the Jar Rastafari thing, right? They think that it's part of the religion that Shiva, the god of hash, really was <laughs> was a smoker. Sorry, <laughs> this is the first time I've heard the god of hash. Well, he's not really a god of hash. <laughs> hash, <laughs> hash, <is> a, hash. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I know yeah. I'm probably doing a massive disservice to the whole Indian community here. But but basically, the, there's lots of different deities in the Hindu religion. So Shiva, Parvati, you, you, Indiana Jones, you've seen, have you seen Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and they go to that and they're all like cult, cult and they've got these things and they're going Kali, Kali, Kali. So one of them is Kali who's the preserver, destroyer, creator, preserver and destroyer. Shiva's meant to be the husband of Kali, this god, right? So they're all sort of like interlinked. And then, um, so, they believe uh, that hash in that area is like sacred and that by changing, smoking hash, you change your consciousness and you connect with Shiva. <laughs> Why this guy? <laughs> you think it's a cop out just to get stoned all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, that's no real thing. Somebody just made it up years ago and said, yeah, I doubt what we'll say that there's this God that we can just get out of our head. <laughs> you can just get out of your head. So what all the rasters have done is saying, which are <laughs> Selassie. But, but, um, so anyway, right, so we get to the village, Milana, and uh, it's dark, starting to get dark. I stop with these guys. These guys say, because um, they're just like, you know, they know that any tourist that comes in there, they're all wanting hash, and so they're all hushy, hushy, charis, charis, do you want charis? 
Uh, but I know this name of this guy, Cetaram, because my friend tells me, and this is what it's like in the drug dealer, the, the, the drug community, I suppose, or in the, the sort of, what would it be, the hippie community in the, in the mid-80s in India. You just you hear information, or he'll say, oh, this is the best place to get hash. This is how much it is a kilo. This is who you should speak to. So I knew about this Cetaram. Come down into the village. It's getting dark. The people are all like charis charis. I say, oh, right, I'd like another chalum to my friend Ross. And uh, he says, right, okay. So we have a chalum and in this village, they they view, because they're Brahman, they're Brahman, so they're in the caste system of India, they're the highest caste, but they're like mountain people. They're like... They're not like your tradition, you know, here we get, you know, women in saris and all sort of like looking really, there, there's sort of mountain people hardly any teeth because there's no dentists around. There's like, they're just they're wearing these sort of sheepskin, their hair's quite sometimes matted, spiky. They're, they're very different. And also how they view anybody coming into the village is that they're a sort of parasite, really. So they don't want to have any touch with you, they don't let you. Uh, even when you buy up, there's a little shop in the village, and you buy biscuits. They get you put the money down. They'll never pass hand to hand. So when you're smoking the chillum, they don't want to pass it to you. So they they put it on the ground, and then you go pick it up. So anyway, I knew about that. Some of them are a bit. They've got some of this type of culture. So I was sort of prepared for it. Russ was prepared for it because I told him as well get there and there's also certain parts of the village that you can't touch because it's sacred to Shiva as well so the buildings that you can't touch and especially they can touch it because they are all cool but maybe the parasite or me being like this <laughs> thing <laughs> I can't touch it I'm going to bring some sort of inf- a bit COVID stuff I'm going to bring infect the place so so anyway, we get, I smoke a charm stoned out my head from the thing because the altitude and, and, and then we go around this, we go around this corner of this village. So there's all these old, really old buildings and uh, my rucksack touches the side of the, the building. They all start going, no. yeah, nuts. They all start going like, blah, 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 Hindi, Hindi. I'm like, I'm not understanding any of it. I'm stoned as well. And then, and, and, um, uh, the parasite I, has infected the I, building. I, yeah, yeah. So the talk, so the, the guide, the wee Nepalese guide, he's saying, oh, he's like saying, oh, it's a problem, it's a problem. And uh, and I, I, I'm like, uh, so the point that the, 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 there's no sheep there, but they're saying there's a sheep, you've got to buy a sheep and the sheep uh, will kill the sheep and we'll, the blood from the sheep will put on the wall to purify it right so so I'm like yeah, what you like <laughs> what, what you want me to buy a sheep I says how much is a sheep and he says the sheep's 30 pounds right now now bear in mind hash there was only like 100 pound a kilo so the sheep is like a third of the price of one of these kilos I was like there's no way I'm buying a sheep there's no uh, like and then they're all getting really <clears throat> They're all getting, and you know, I'm there with Russ. Russ is like clueless. I'm a bit more like, because I've come from Glasgow and I'm used to sort of like people trying to scam me and all the rest of it. And, and I'm used to a certain level of violence as well growing up from a violent family and, and or 
so so um or, or violence in the family i so ross is panicking he's going let's just buy the sheep <laughs> let's just buy the sheep and i'm like there's no way ross i'm having so i'm having and i'm saying look the divide and conquer they're watching us like disputing this you should be like playing with me you know like as in just yeah there's no way we're buying sheep no way we're buying sheep don't start disputing and anyway <clears throat> I was just like, I remembered the CRM, this is who I'm going to see. And I, I said, listen, guys, CRM's not going to be happy about this. When he finds out, tell tell them, when he finds out about what's going on here with this sheep thing situation, he's not going to be happy. And tell him that. And then the Nepalese guide went, yeah, he, he, he was like, he told him. And then it all sort of started to calm down. And then, I, I, and for a moment, I did think they could just, you know, there was like 15 of them or something all around us and stuff. I thought they could just take her money, kill us and take her money and, you know, whatever they do with the Nepalese guy, they can cut him into the whole thing or whatever. But, uh, and then we went off and then, uh, and then he took me to Sitaram's house and then I told Sitaram he could speak quite good English and I said, Sitaram, these these idiots down the road did it. And then uh, he was like, oh, don't worry, but Sitaram, then Sitaram, not that night, so that, that was night time by that time. So in the morning, he took me into this room and, um, well, first I was smoking with this French guy, some chillums, and then he took me into the, he goes, come, tell me, what do you want? What do you want? I can give you whatever you want, <laughs> little lad. And, and then he, he, he took me into the thing, the room, and it was just like, it was just full full hash, full of charis, and it had just been the season that was just like, and so I remember like sitting in this room and just like thinking this is Christmas, you know, like this is Christmas, this is like, <laughs> it, it, like it, there's nothing else that I could possibly want. Now bear in mind, I didn't even have a girlfriend with me or anything, it was just because it shows you my head was just focused so much on like, this is like, I just want to stay here. Anyway, it's not with Sitaram. <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> and so when you got spiked, was that in India as well, the LSD overdose? No, no. I, I thought I would use, I think, I thought I would um, talk about that because um, it's quite an interesting story. So back then, back, so okay, 84, 85, 86, a lot of the microdots, so there was a lot of microdots and there was domes, there was, so how the, the, the template of how they'd take the LSD, so once they got the LSD crystal, they'd either put it in blotting papers, or they'd put it on tiny wee microdots, it was quite a strange idea really, they put on something so small, but it's microdots, because they're tiny, anyway, so I had, I had, I was selling lots of them, and what used to happen with it, is you used to sometimes, if you've got them in a bag, because it's a it's a material, it would it would become it would break down. Um, it's hard work actually, because really what you had to do is you had to like separate them all and uh, either groups and sell them all as one. Or anyway, so I had these micro dots. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And they'd all turned to powder, really. And and they gave it to my friend, who was a traveller guy, uh, Sprague, at the time. And I gave him the trips. There was about 50 in powder. Or not, not quite as much as 50. Maybe about 40 in powder. And I gave them to him. And at the time, we all used to spake each other with acid. It was a really... It what, was, was a, a laugh? Yeah, it was yeah. a laugh, yeah. I, they thought it was a laugh. I, I never thought it was a laugh. Well, actually, but I did start to think it was a laugh because I did. Well, I did see some of my friends really freaking out, and then, and then, and then, thing, like, but yeah, it, but at the beginning, but I was always frightened of getting spiked, of course, because you don't know. You're just in the middle of going to do something, somebody spikes you, and you're just like you're completely. There's no way you can do. Going to see you. shopping, I, I, start yeah, spinning yeah. out Tesco's. Yeah. <laughs> so, well. so, so, what happened this day? This day, I gave him these acids. We were all doing these bars. So the rave scene was starting to. We started to do bars and the rave scenes. And the fat and the warehouse is up in King's Cross, and we started to do his bar and supply drugs there. And and but uh, but there was a whole group of these travellers and Sprog and Sprog just went like that and he flung it into this half bottle of whiskey, all the powder. And I came into the room at the time, and they there was about four of them in the room, and they were going to just drink the half bottle between them and have like just trip out. But the half bottle was. <clears throat> So I came in, I was trying to do this deal with this guy. I was, <clears throat> I was meant to do this deal with this guy and clap. He, I was meant to do this transaction. And he, uh, so I says, you wait in the kitchen. I went into the living room and I just, they were all sitting around and I seen this half bottle, like about that much of whiskey in this half bottle. And I never, I never knew for a second. So I just grabbed it and I just gulped it. And then uh, they all started laughing. Mm-hmm. They all started like, all started laughing. I was like, why are they laughing? And then I could just taste the crumbs of the, the acid in my, my mouth. So I remember, <clears throat> I knew right away, I was like, the fucking the acid. That he's, and so I ran into the, the kitchen. I tried, tried to be sick, couldn't be sick. And then I was meant to do this deal with this, so I was meant to do this deal with this guy. And I, and I thought, okay, I've got about 45 minutes until I'm really out of my head on this. Can I get a clap? I'm kind of counting the money. Can I get the thing? So we rush off to clap him at his brother's house. And as a, and I'm trying, and it was, there was no mobiles and all that in them days. So it was like a telephone. As he, as I say, oh, can you pass us the, can you pass us the phone? 
I remember, well, just before passing the phone, I remember just like, you know when you come, uh, yeah, right, you got that, I could feel this like, the rushing of blood to my head. And then, and then uh, I said, can you pass me phone? As they passed me a phone, I could see the tracers all starting to come off that. These <laughs> left tracers going on my phone. And then I was like, and then I thought, and then I, I remember, I had lots, a chunk of money on us, and I says, go and get me um, 12 bottles of Jameson's whiskey, because I just, my head was just like the fear and the paranoia, and um, about not being it, because I knew it was a lot of acid, because when it happened, I says, how much is in there? And they says, about maybe 25. And then I had it in my head, I thought, well, I know you can only get, after a certain dosage of LSD, microdose, um, not microdose, but as I said, uh, over a particular amount, you don't get any more tripped out. You can only get so tripped out, really. So how do you balance it out? So I, try, so I got him to go and get a bottle of whiskey. He never got up 12. He just went and bought one bottle of Jameson's. And I remember when he came back, uh, I just like, God, on it, and I literally just went go 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 go. So there was about that much left, and the you know it was like I remember just drinking loads. So then I was like coming up on the acid, but then sort of pissed at the same time, which is a, a weird mix. A, yeah, and then I, I managed to, and then I and then they took. Uh, I remember saying to the, the guy, the the guy, the main guy said to me, um, who I was doing the deal with. He says, "Look, you're in a bad way." Because I remember right, there was a there was a rug on the floor, like a lion. Remember them sort of lion skin rock, right? Where lions sort of head, like one of them animal type mm. fur thing. I remember that was on the floor, and as I was starting to trip out, I thought, "Oh, like that animal, animal on the floor." And I remember like going down and like picking the rug up with my teeth and like shaking. I don't know if I was thinking that I was in Africa or somewhere, like you know, in the Serengeti or something, like thinking that I was. But uh, and then he was like, "I need to get this guy out of my house." So he was like, "He was like, can my sister's coming or something to?" And then, so he took me to this other house and I wound up, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I could go into another story just with that, but. Please do, please yeah. Do. All right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Right, well, he took me to this other house in Old Street and I'm in this, I'm in this house, I'm in this house and uh, at the time the guy had loads of like, so he, they went upstairs because I was like tripping out my head and I was like, and I was drunk as well. So all the way in the taxi, I'd been crawling around the back of the taxi as well, and he'd managed to convince the taxi driver that I was sick, I was mentally ill, and, and he was taking me. He was taking me to some hospital. He was going to look after me. So it was scratching on the side of the the, the taxi. Anyway, because um, just so out my head, and then we we wound up in this flat, and then him and his pal were like hippies. They, they were upstairs. They were smoking weed, dope, and and. Uh, I was downstairs and I seen this whole like bookshelf of occult books, uh, like Crowley and Madame Blavatsky. There was all these sort of like uh, history of magic, but and I, and I got it in my head. I says, "Why are they reading these books? Why are they <laughs> like, why are they reading these books? Like, don't they know you don't need to read this stuff?" And I know everything about magic. So, so, <laughs> so, so what I started to do, right? 
<laughs> it's a bit mad. It's, it's starting to rip out all of their books, right? And, and, then, and then there was one of these high. <laughs> this is not straight. And, and then there was a high five. They, before the music systems used to be in these boxes. Remember, they used to be in these like high five boxes, right? And there was like a cabinet. And I put all the paper beside this hi-fi, right? And they put on some mellow music or something like that. And then I just set a light. <laughs> See, I set a light. But then I like, built a fire right in the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, these bastards, that, you know, like, this is what they deserve. <laughs> anyway, so they, they were all upstairs, right? So they were upstairs in the top room. Putting stones, right? And then I realised the smoke, right? It was all smoke in the room, right? I thought, shit, this is an emergency. <laughs> like, because the hi-fi was starting to go on smoke. There's flames, like, starting to... And then... Uh, so I was like, help, help, help. <laughs> <laughs> and then he came down and he was like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? They've got pots and they, they put the thing out and the, the thing. And why did you do it? You know, and I was like, don't, you know, and, and then I remember getting What was your response to why did you do it? I, I, I remember getting aggressive with him. Remember, I was going, how do you think Because then I felt really entitled. He's, he's this what I felt. I remember holding him by the throat and saying, yeah, yeah. Because I remember, like, I remember just getting up against the wall. Don't ever mess around with me again. Like, because the whole thing is, so, so I somehow reversed it, and then what they did in my head is like justified that I can burn all the books and put, it, you know, put the hi-fi up and smoke. And then, and then they were like, "Okay, come on, chill out, chill out," because they were frightened. Of, well, he was frightened of me anyway. The other one, I don't know. He he was like. He came down, he's going, what's going on? And they're stoned. And then, and, and, uh, then like, oh, come on, please, just come with us, come with us, right? So then they take me upstairs and, <laughs> and I just remember them just like joint after joint, like giving me joints, herbal tea, chamomile tea, because kept giving me chamomile tea. <laughs> I think it was like, cause I thought they must have thought back then, this is the way to bring them down. Just keep giving them like sedative tea, really, and, and lots of joints. And that was it, really. And I, and 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 at some point, I started to come down off the acid. Uh, I remember thinking through that trip. I remember definitely thinking, if I can get through, if I'm sane, <laughs> which sometimes I doubt, a lot of the time, if I can get through this and still retain some type of ability to be logical, rational, it'll be a miracle because, like. My head at the time just felt it was just so, I mean, at times a bit dark. And then, yeah, actually, it wasn't really a bad trip. There was, it had been, it had a few bad trips before, but that one was actually quite pleasant, <laughs> allowing for all the other fans. Yeah. Did you actually ever get an invite back there? No, I, I can't. No. <laughs> no, no, yeah. How to burn your bridges, what? yeah. <laughs> One easy go. <laughs> what, what happens when you did have a bad trip? Oh, oh yeah. I, yeah, my friend used to, uh, 
Yeah, well, well, yeah, the worst one, the worst one I think I had. Look, I'm going to talk. I there's two. There was two. There's two ones. I had one with mushrooms. One Which time. was when he was 17. Aye, yeah, yeah. And there was yeah. a kid. And I got to a place called an Isle of, Isle of Aran. And, uh, and my friend, and we had loads of mushrooms. And my friend was like, because I wanted to show off all the time, that I could take lots of hallucinogenics without freaking out. There was always a sort of competitive thing that went on with some of my friends, well, a lot of my friends back then around drug taking and who can do the most, who can still be standing, who's lightweight. So anyway, so I really joined in and that, thinking that I can do the most out of all of them. And and uh, we had this, we, we, we used to boil what mushroom, we used to make mushroom tea, so we'd get loads, I don't know how many we had, maybe 500 or something mushrooms. And we're drinking the tea and we're in a, a campsite. We went on a campsite, it was in a like place away from the campsite, but it was, anyway, they were in the tent, we'd cook, we got a little burner thing, and we'd cook, made the tea, and we started, and we'd put our tent up, and it was me and my friend Hardy, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, so it was just coming up on the, on the mushrooms, and all of a sudden, these whole group of like, what we call non-educated delinquents, Neds, right, <laughs> from, <laughs> who, who, uh, just showed up like and there was like maybe about 15 of them and uh, in Scotland and uh, Glasgow especially there's two football teams Celtic Rangers the two main football teams right so obviously there's a sectarian real sectarian element of Catholic Protestant you know real divide like a little Belfast Glasgow can be and was back then back in the 80s hope you enjoyed the podcast here's a quick word from our sponsor Know what that sound means? It's more sales being racked up on Shopify. What do you think of Shopify, Jen? I absolutely love Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to sell, grow and make money for your business. Have you used it to boost your business? 100%, yeah. (laughs) So Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell from anywhere in the world. From creating your online shop in your own look. To finding new customers to scaling your burning idea. With no need for skills in design or coding, it's how every minute of every day a new seller makes their first sale with Shopify and you can join them. So what is your favourite UK-based business that's found success with Shopify? It's got to be Gymshark. They have grown massively thanks to Shopify. Now it's your turn to start selling today with Shopify for free. And thanks to 24-7 support, Shopify is there to help you every step of the way. This is endless possibility. Sign up for a free 14-day trial at shopify.co.uk slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Go to shopify.co.uk slash Sean right now to grow your business today. So that's shopify.co.uk forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. So um, we basically, these nerds, right, <laughs> we're all around they're just like and we're in the tent and you can hear these always like strong Glaswegian accents and they're all about 17, 18 as well they're all rough really rough boys right and they're all 
around and they're all like, oh, what's happening? What's happening? And and anyway, so I'm in the middle of the trip, so I come out my tent, out the tent. They're putting up their tents. They're starting to put up tents. And then one of them comes up to me. He says, where are you from? And I'm from, I'm from party. I says, from party, but I stay in Helensboro. Just out. And he says, what team do you support? And uh, and I'm like, and then just at that point, and he's asked me the team, all the other boys are all looking and they're all sort of came round, like round me in a circle really. And my friend's just there. And, and I've said Dumbarton, right? Because I'm thinking, if I say Celtic, which I am a Celtic fan, but if I say Celtic, if they're all Rangers sports, I'm gonna have I'm gonna get a serious kick in. And so and what's the chances of it? So I just said Dumbarton and he said, What kind of team is Dumbarton? Like and 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 then I was like and in that moment my whole world I can I was just waiting. You know where you're just waiting for somebody to punch you from the side or you're just waiting to get Really beat the shit out of her, and then and then one of the boys at the exact moment, maybe when it was just about to happen, that window of like, is it about? Said something. Like, Should we just go to the pub? He shouted. Should we just go to the pub? And all of them, it felt like. Don't know if this actually happened or it was just part of the trip. But I, just at that moment, they all went. Yes, we'll go to the pub, and they all just went. And I just came out of it. I thought, oh my God. And I, and I literally, they all just went. Within seconds, they'd all gone. And then I was left with hard. And we just took our tent down. We started running to the, the campsite, to our campsite. So did this so, actually happen? No. So, sorry. So did it did happen. Aye, no, it did happen. There was people. Yeah. Are you sure that I never, was aye. one big bad trip? I, no, no, it was, no, it was a real thing. It was a real, yeah, because I've talked to Hardy about it in years to come. Wow. It was. And the other the other bad trip was, uh, and it's a weird thing where I started to trip out. I, my friend, Nick, used to, he was, I've never seen him to take so much LSD. He used to take, he used to eat it like, it, he used to do like 20 trips in one go and do it regularly and he could function and he could still deal and all this stuff he could so one day Nick's like says to me and he used to badger me all the time to trip with him because he was always on his own tripping and um, and he stayed next door and he says come on take some and uh, he cut me off a big strip at the side of the, the blotting paper and I was like, that's too much. And he was like, no, just take it. Just take it. Come on, don't be a lightweight. And I took it. And then I was in I was in the, the basement. And he was like, and there was always people coming to buy drugs from him. And I remember uh, I started to, uh, it was a weird thing. There was a girl, there was a girl with Laura Ashley dress. And she was smoking a joint. I remember, and and I'm tripping and I'm sitting and Nick's like out his head but he's doing this he's chatting away and there's a girl that stayed in the house she had her name was Corinne and she used to keep snakes the royal reticulate oh. pythons royals I big 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 snakes as well uh, reticulate like 10 foot so she I got used to the snake thing because I'd been there so many times uh, and the first time I've ever seen snake that, that size of snake uh, do you like snakes? Yeah, I've been around snakes. Yeah, 
Yeah. I used to massage my neck when I was on ecstasy. Oh, you're weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what reticulate? Or Royal um, I can't remember what, 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 um, what this woman it? had. She had like ball python. She had a, a few different snakes. Yeah. But there was one that would just wrap around my oh, neck yeah. when I was on ecstasy and it, you'd feel, it would massage it my neck. really, really tight. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was, felt lovely because it was, aye. it just did it at the right level. Aye. Without killing that's, me. Aye. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> aye. This one, she, she lost one of the snakes. One of the snakes went under the floorboards, got on the floor. And it, oh. uh, yeah. And they couldn't get, and I don't know why they never just ripped all the floor. I don't know why they, but anyway, so she, this Karen came in, she'd one of the snakes around her. And because I was tripping out, because I was sort of tripping out. And also this girl kept on dropping, like, for some reason it triggered me, like, she kept on dropping, she was really quite affluent, they were really affluent customers of Nick's, so they had a lot of money, very posh, and she just, with this Laura, she kept on dropping bits. Fagash. You know, hash, when it, it dropped off of the joint, it would be like still burning, and it, and I remember seeing like smoke coming off her. <laughs> now, obviously, this is going to be magnified by, by the hallucinogenic experience that I'm having with LSD. But, but, but I remember thinking, God, this is like, this is really decadent in some way. Or, <laughs> right. She's wearing this low rashes and she's just burning it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hash burns. Yeah, hash burns. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Corinne <laughs> came in with a snake thing. And then that, I was like, freaked me out. I was like, and she, and Corinne was like, really, uh, false as a person, she'd be very ego, really big ego, and uh, and and then I just went. I, I thought I've got to get out of here, you know. Like <laughs> I've got to get out. So I started freaking out. I started freaking out. I thought I've got to get out, and also I needed a pee, right? And the thing is, with LSD, you keep needing it. You and it's the same way. Actually, remember often to go to the bathroom all the time, probably because I'm drinking too much water. But so, <clears throat> uh. Not that you shouldn't drink a lot of water when you're taking this, but, but, um, so I thought I've got to get out, got to get out to the bathroom, got to get out, get away from these people. <laughs> and I, so I got next door where, where I was and I had this picture, uh, on the wall, uh, and it's the good, it's one of the gurus, uh, oh God, it's one of these gurus anyway, and he's sitting sort of lotus position, like, looking spiritual and I remember and I was trying to hook onto something to because you know when you're starting to freak out I could feel myself spiraling down and I thought I've got to find something that's, that's positive that's going to keep me out of this abyss that I'm about to go into right so so what happened is I was like looking for anything really a port in the storm really and and I seen this like Oh, the guru, the guru. And I, and I looked at him and then his face looked really like he was miserable, right? I thought, I thought, even the guru, I, even you. the guru, I, I thought, oh, this is shit, right? I thought, so then I thought, I've just got to go to sleep. I've got to go try and go to sleep to get through. But how can you get to sleep when you're tripped out of your head? No. <laughs> There's no way you're going to sleep, right? So, so I remember going into my bed, pulling the covers over my head. <laughs> like, just go to sleep, go to sleep, you know, like, and, and just getting, and the hallucinations, the thing, and I was spiraling down further and further. 
And I don't know how long that lasted for, but it was getting bleak, right? I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought, what's going to happen? I thought, I've got another four hours or five hours of this shit. You know, like, this is going to get, if it's bad now, what's it going to become later? And then, um, and then my pal came in, and I don't know how long that was, but he came in, and he, and within seconds, I was like, oh no, I could hear him coming down the stairs and I thought, oh no, I'm going to deal with him. <laughs> like, I'm tripping out. And, you know, and he, he just came in and he says, oh, do you know Nick next door is going nuts? He's going nuts, right? And then I remember thinking, oh, right, Nick's going nuts. I'm nuts. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. And I came out of it and I started <laughs> laughing and I was out of it. I was out the woods. Wow. And then I went outside and then I remember chopping. I thought, oh, I've got to chop wood for a fire. <laughs> so then, then, then I started getting, went out and got wood. It's like chopping in the back garden. And they were all looking at me from another house going, look, he's not. Anyway, so that, that was the, the, the trip. <laughs> It's a volatile old uh, situation, isn't it? Yeah, I had a friend called Acid Joey. Oh, yeah. And he would do like 10 strips and stuff like that. I only did acid like once a year and it reminded me why I shouldn't be doing it. And why? What happened? It just ended up in situations like what Mark described where you just can't get to sleep and you're up for days and you're tripping and you look in the yeah. mirror and you're seeing weird things. Aye. What I did find though was the Muppet Show. The, li- the little carrots in the background who were dancing. Aye. The, all yeah, that, all aye. that stuff makes sense. All those little things in the background yeah, makes sense. sense. When you're aye. tripping, yeah, you're yeah. like, you see aye. all the little things in the background. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you can see, you, you think you can see energy anyway, don't you? You can see. Everything gets more colourful, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like heightened. That's what I noticed. Yeah. I was in San Francisco at a club and my girlfriend lit up a joint. And I, I related to what you said. Well, the blimbirds go down. No, the sparks coming out of it were like Aye. meteors Aye. going past my face, and I, I thought I was like, I was like, let's get get out of the way. The meteors, I was like, against this yeah. wall. These, I was like, get out of the way from me, like get away yeah, from yeah, me. yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that's to be carried out, and in the end. <laughs> oh, Jake, I had to be carried out. And then I'm going up, and the, the, it, we're in a car, and everyone's tripping. And even Acid Joey, I think, was driving. He's aye. on a 10 strip. Aye. We're going up and down these hills because he could function on that. On aye, 10, yeah, 10, yeah, yeah. San Fran, you go up and down these. I know, I know San Fran. So I've been there, yeah. And I'm like tripping, going up and down these hills. Aye. My keys are in my pocket, and they're cold. And I think I've peed my, my trousers. <laughs> I, I've peed myself tripping too. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm like, fucking, I've peed myself. Oh, do I, I need to pee? Have I peed myself? Aye. How much have I peed myself? And Aye. I think oh, they're going to notice I've peed I myself. Oh, and then, and then as soon as we got back to the hotel, Aye. I, I ran to the bathroom Aye. to check myself and I hadn't peed myself. And I found my keys. I was like, it was my keys. Aye. And I, I had a piss and I was so relieved. Oh, I bet you. Yeah. I bet you. I bet you. Wow. I know. The I, cops. Oh, I forgot to tell you, the cops Aye. stopped Aye. us. Yeah. The right. cops stopped us. Hi. I'm thinking we are fucked. So Aye, Acid yeah. Joey is going the wrong way down a one-way road, high on LSD, and we're all high on LSD and ecstasy. The whole car's got thousands of pills uh, in it, uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this cop was so cool. He goes, um, "I see your license plate. You're from Arizona. You don't know what the fuck you're doing out here in San Francisco. Just turn the car around and go that way. This is a one-way street." If wow. that if that had happened in this day wow. and age, wow, yeah, yeah. Ah, you'd have yeah. been caught. Yeah. Oh, seriously, yeah. I and yeah. also massive sentence, yeah. a long sentence, yeah. and yeah, yeah. yeah for trips mad. for trips in America, they were giving life sentences back then. Oh, because yeah. oh, even bits are harsh. They're giving like, I mean, mm. even like, 
and take supply definitely seven years or ten yeah. years even you know but yeah it's mad isn't it like that yeah because I, I remember at Glastonbury uh, one time uh, 89 all the travellers all the travellers came all this, from Stonehenge because Stonehenge used to be the thing and I, I yeah so um, I, I remember going to Glastonbury and we were doing cycle toots so cycle toots were uh crushing up the microdots with coke so my friend we were, was on this bus and uh, he had a travelling bus he used to they, they used to just travel around from festival to festival anyway uh, him going come on do another line do another like and I don't know how many acid were in each thing but I remember doing some lines with the coke <clears throat> and uh, and and we were in this field uh, called the creep. The, the, it was called the creep field. Michael Evis had gave the travellers because they'd done the security that year at the thing. And uh, this com- this group of travellers called the Mutoid Waste Company, who were the more arty, they were they done actually when we had the Olympics, the 2012 Olympics for Danny Boyle. They done those mad cars, you know, like cars that looked like Mad Max type things. So they done all this. So they built a Stonehenge out of cars in the field wow. in Glastonbury in 1989. I told you they do stuff like that. It's do you know them? Have you heard of them? No, like Glastonbury Festival in general, they Aye. go all out. They start buildings. You go in one field, it looks like you are in yeah. a street. Aye. It's, it's Aye. bizarre. Aye, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So when so, you're tripping, it's... Ooh. Aye, so they yeah. built this <laughs> thing, right? They, <laughs> so what happened? Like, they built this... Uh, like Stonehenge out of cars because they missed Stonehenge because we couldn't go to Stonehenge. Anyway, uh, and everybody, everybody started to colour, right? So everybody put paint on their faces, right? So everybody put like paint on their faces and they, they were all, I remember all playing drums and they were all dancing round the, the around these car, these like, sort of kid on Stonehenge made of cars. And I remember that also being like one of these trips where I was like loving it, loving it. But then all of a sudden I thought, and I, I, I was drinking loads of alcohol and then I thought, I'm going to pee myself, I'm going to pee, you know, like, and spiralling down into that, you know, it was so, always so, so dodgy. Fine line, isn't it? it got yeah. To start, you like, yeah, and you want, you take more while you're feeling yeah. the, it's great. You're like, oh, I've got to have more of this. Right. And then, too much. And if you've Ooh. got, and if you've got any propensity anyway, to negatively think, you know, like if you can beat, if you beat yourself up and you're hard on yourself, super ego stuff, like then if you go down, it's difficult. Is there any way to psych yourself into a certain mindset so you don't go down there? I used to always want to be around in the countryside. I never wanted to be in the cities really when I tripped out. I wanted to be in nature and I wanted to make sure I was around the As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The right people. I would try and avoid aggressive, you know, aggressive people. MD or volat, any psychos, no way. My friend, and my friend, one of my friends used to take acid and got into fights and all that. And I think, how do you do, how do you do that, man? How do you, how do you want to trip out? Which is meant to be a really beautiful, like, if you're thinking it from a spiritual, if you're thinking of the guys that are taking ayahuasca and all that now, they're trying to get this connection with the divinity of some sort. But he wants to go and become like a football thug, you know, like like go and actually fight and have some, and you know, you you might relate it back to, I mean, apparently, apparently all the tribe, you know, the Celts and the Picts and all that used to take hallucinogenics before they went into battle, do their paint, do all the blue paint on their face. Maybe he was trying to recreate some type of ancestral sort of route to, to where he felt he belonged. <laughs> Let's just go. <laughs> but he's, you know, walking up sort of some Millwall ground. I don't know. Or something like, and, and starting to... I was at a rave in California once out in the desert. It's beautiful. What's it? I, know, I, I went up to my mate and he had a psycho with him. <laughs> I'm sat oh. around and this psycho Right, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, on, I'm on mescaline tripping balls and uh, this, right next to the psycho and he comes up and starts talking to me I, <laughs> it just my head just wants to explode yeah, I ended I, up just like I was like I was stuck there for a bit and then I just walked off and climbed this mountain and I was like on mescaline trying to climb this mountain thinking I was going to fall uh, down but I just wanted to get to the top uh, I, and I got to the top and there was all these peaceful hippies at the top, uh, um, spiral tribes. Some spiral the, tribe, I know spiral tribe. Yeah, yeah, this was back in. Uh, this so was back around ninety one or something. No, this was back around ninety six, ninety seven. I think. I, I, I. So they, yeah, because they were that other group. That was the other group. That, so the mutoid waste. Then there was the spiral tribe yeah. group, and then there was the horse and cart people. There was the the ones that were horse and cart people, and then there was the brew crew. There was the, the ones that were just all on special brew. Used to spot like amongst the travelling scene. So that was a lovely vibe up there with them. Just the I, I bet you, I bet you, yeah, yeah, I bet you, yeah. I so that 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 that's an interesting. And I remember when I got arrested in in Spain. And I was in Fuengarola and we were held for a week in this, we were held for a week in this holding cell and there was four of us in this, in this cell, right? Uh, and, and we found, one of my friends found about 20 trips, uh, <laughs> that the police hadn't found, well, they, they'd found some acid, well, they had arrested us for a, well, we'd found acid, but, um, so we're in a cell and him, he says, listen, we're just, I'm just going to trip out. Uh, do you want some? Who's going to join us? <laughs> I thought, I cannot think of anything worse than worse possibly, right? Of sitting here tripping out in a cell when the guardians of ill can come down and beat the shit out of you any moment because they don't like us because we're former tourists. And he was like, and he was like, no problem, right? It's not no problem. So he would take a couple of trips and I'd be like, and we would all be in the cell. I think, how do you do that? How do you? But it was the same guy who who, who liked it off a fight when he was thinking, it was like, he obviously, that side of things 
was quite was attractive to you know like it was a, that's what he wanted to do when he started tripping out. So what what was his trip like in the south? I think he was alright. I mean, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I think he he was just. You know, because none of it, like, we were there and we were just sort of watching him, really. And and, and he was like, and he, he just seemed to get on, mate. He was, I mean, like, as in, he wasn't, I can't remember exactly if he was laughing or he was thinking, but I just remember always thinking, there is no way I would do it. And, and how you how you manage to, to do it, you know. <laughs> Take some yeah, sort yeah. So yes, uh, <laughs> oh, we're still on, we're still on LSD, are we with this one? I, we've only I've only covered yeah. parties in Goa. Parties in uh, Goa. Yeah, I'll just say the, the parties. Please back there, back sheesh. I back sheesh. So I I guess just Big to give sticks. you, I right. yeah, because basically back then, so before, so I'm trying to remember when Ibiza started to become the party. I mean, roughly, I think Ibiza was already going in '84, as. Start, I, I'm not. I'm not really sure, but Goa was definitely a big party scene. Also in Thailand, Copenhagen or Koh Samui, they were having full moon parties. I think then as well, ecstasy wasn't in the equation as yet. Uh, that was just going to come. Uh, this was eight, so eighty four. It was just and and what used to happen in Goa, there was just loads of hippies and loads of people that come from all around the world, really. Lots of Israelis, lots of Italians. <clears throat> and there would be these parties uh, and everybody used to take acid and, and listen to the, the sort of beginnings, maybe a rave music. Or it wouldn't always be rave music, it'd be the other music as well. But And... Uh, and there'd be loads of chai ladies where people all have selling tea and and cakes and all stuff like that and they would go on all night and what used to happen the police in India were all very corrupt because well they've always been probably still very corrupt but I I, I um, they used to wait at night time they'd hide almost at the side of the road wanting to stop tourists on the way back on motorbikes to, ca to catch them with drugs so that they could get more money, so they could maybe, yeah. Or they'd say that the bike, the motorbikes, no got the right licence, basically. So so we used to be aware of that. We all would be aware. So when we're driving along after the party, whenever that is, uh, they could sometimes spring up from the road. They would hide. They would almost hide, and then they would jump up. And they used to have these big sticks, and, like, big wooden sticks that used to beat people with. They used to beat, well, they used to beat their own people with it, like, on the street. I mean, they were quite ruthless, really. Anyway, this one night, coming back, I remember, like, they popped up, they popped, so I was driving along, quite a dark road, the next thing, they pop up, three or four of them come out from the side of the, the ditch bit of the thing, and then they're like, stop, stop, and I slow down, I slow down as if I'm going to stop. And then just as I get, I go, just rev it up, man. Rev it up as much as I possibly can on these shitty bikes that they have there. And uh, and I remember just the, the, the swing of the, just missing as it just misses me as I get off. I remember it was like, I could just feel it or something just coming around my back or my head, just like the, 
like where they flung the stick to just get me off the bike, you know. So that was the thing that uh, avoiding that really. Oh, I think we covered the ricochet driver wanting to stone you to death because that was what you mentioned yeah, earlier yeah. on. So the next one, immigration scams. Okay, immigration stamp scams. Tamil tigers. I Tamil tigers. Right, Raju. So back, back, right, so what, what year am I now? 1989, 1990, 1991. So, uh, refu- right, so basically to get, to get into the country, right, so Tamil Tigers, Sri Lankans, there was a guy I met in Bangkok called Raju, introduced to me by someone else, and he, he told me about, well, he, he was running a scam, uh, Indian guy, really always dressed in a suit, a briefcase, and what he done was he go. He'd, he had a group of customers who were Tamil Tigers. There was Tamil Tigers were a sort of looked upon as a sort of terrorist organisation in the north of Sri Lanka. Um, they they wanted to get to Europe. Raju would get tourists and and and. Uh, you could get, they could get a ticket. Raju would go and make sure that you got a ticket that went Delhi. So I'd be in Thailand. It'd be Thailand to Delhi, Delhi to France or, 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 or to Germany or England. And that would be under my name. And then they would get a ticket for him, for the Tamil Tiger, who's gave him a chunk of money to just go, uh, Thailand, Bangkok, Delhi, right? And so what you used to, I used to do, was I'd go to the airport with the guy, I'd check in his bag, he checks in mine. Departure lounge, I'd say to him, seat number 20, whatever my seat is. We'd get on the plane, as soon as the light would come off or thing, I'd go to the toilet, he'd be behind me. He'd go to the toilet, hopefully he'd be right behind me. If he didn't be behind me, I'd make sure that he was. And then I'd leave the ticket on the system in the toilet. He'd come in, take that, he'd go to my seat, I'd go to his seat. He'd get down in France or England and they go refugee status. I rip up any documentation, and I'm, I'm a refugee. Uh, I demand citizenship. Right? Customs next size would go. How did this guy get here? Something's happened. There's been some switch. So they would get back on the airline. Say it was British Airways. Say this guy. How come you've got two or three of these guys Tamil from Tamil, and the thing? Right? We've got them you better tighten up your security. So British Airways would go like that. Um, oh, we better, we better, uh, everybody has to sit, we have to monitor people on the flights. Really difficult job, right? We need to monitor that they're not, that no one's getting off at their own plate, you know, because I'd just get off, I'd just go, as soon as I've gave him the ticket, I'd just go down in Delhi, I'd get an off flight, go and do it again, back to, <laughs> back to Thailand, get some more money off of Raju, right? <clears throat> but also what you could do with the Tamils, which is a bit naughty of me, right, is when you give them the ticket, before you're standing in the queue, going into the toilet, you could say, actually, say his name's Raju, the guy that you're thinking, mate, the Tamil tiger, you say, I'm not going off the plane. I'm going to carry on back to England. I really want to get back home. Actually, I've been away from home for a long time. He would go, no, you're, <laughs> I was going to do <laughs> No, you're meant to get off, right? And uh, I say, well, I'm not. 
right? And you say, well, your luggage, your luggage is going to, you know, your your luggage is going to be going on to to Delhi. Uh, Delhi. I go, I don't. Well, the luggage, there's nothing in the luggage. So then he could go. He could say, oh, I want some more money. Right, you. Right. I want some more money, or a, if he's got a nice watch, or whatever, I want that watch. <laughs> I want that thing. Which, <laughs> but you've got to be careful because anyway. So, so what would happen is they would change. So the security would would tighten up and whatever, and they go British Airways, and then Raju would just change the current the country and the airline. He would just, or he'd maybe just go into Britain, but just on a different airline, and he kept doing it. And it was like, so it was a really, it was a, it was a. I mean, I don't know how many, I've done it quite a few times. It's very you know? intricate. Yeah, 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 but it was like, but Raju, I remember always thinking, Raju had a chunk, every time I see him, he'd go into this thing and he'd have his briefcase and it was just full of money. And I remember thinking, really what I should do, I should take Raju's money, I should, I should just turn him over at some point. But I never got it together to do that. But, but uh, I remember thinking, God, he's making a fortune out of this business. Mm. Oh, the next one is I number four heroin Changra and beyond. I uh, yeah. I, I just know. think I just think that I'll be quick with that way. I think more yeah. more so I think I think at the end of my addiction, I think this is the where it got to as the as my addiction progressed and uh <clears throat> I I was taking more and more risks. I mean, it's, there's a lot within this actually, right? When I was in Thailand, I went, I was told to go to the source of where the heroin is. And it's in that, it's in really the Shan area. There used to be in that film, American Gangster, Frank is the main actor who it's meant to be about is Frank Lucas. So Denzel Washington plays a guy called Frank Lucas. Uh, Kung, uh, he in the film in the movie he goes on a boat you see him going up this thing man he goes and uh, and he's buying like loads of heroin from this warlord who's who's uh, a Burmese in Rangoon, from Rangoon warlord called Kung Sa Kung Sa was uh, controlled all heroin production from from that area throughout the world for a while and he in fact to some degree in what he'd done he was that brazen Kung Sa he had an army of like 300 soldiers 300 people or 800 people sorry and he he said to the Australian government and he said to the American government if you give me X millions per year I will ensure no heroin comes from this area and they were like, you're ridiculous. Like, you're wanting us to pay you a chunk of money to stop the supply coming through because it was all coming from Kungsa. And then, um, so that area, I'd heard about that area and it's number four heroin. So it's the best heroin in the world. As heroin goes, <laughs> if you're going to be a connoisseur about heroin, you would be like, and why not? I was a connoisseur about most of the other ones as well. So, <laughs> so yeah. So if you're going to take it, you know, you want the cleanest, because a lot of the problem with heroin is the adulterants that go into it. That, so, so basically I went, got a motorbike, so went up uh, to Chiang Rai and then I got a motorbike and then I went right into the, the hill tribes. So it was like into these little villages, so it was really cheap. And uh, and that heroin was really pure. And, and uh, I was just shooting that up every day. And then, and then it got... 
I got a massive habit. But then because I'd been taking heroin like that, I started to go into Malaysia because um, I had to renew my visa all the time. So I would be going to Malaysia and uh, but you could sell heroin in Malaysia as well. So I used to take it from Thailand. I used to take some of that heroin into Malaysia, which is the death. I remember looking at the thing, it was the, the, the sign going up the, to the border the Malaysian border, da da drugs means da da means death. Drugs means that skull boat, skull, you know, crossbones. It would be like a picture really clearly. If you've got drugs, we'll kill you. Really, I remember going through that border, and it's insane because I remember being on these uh, and I've done it a few times, but on this minibus going up and looking at the sign. You know, like you get these moments where you think. You, you're more conscious and you get a really strong impression of how insane you sort of are, really. But then, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. And they I, didn't deter I, I, you I, at all? No, not at all, because I'm, you're driven by the addiction. The addiction's so, like, also the sense of invincibility or denial that anything could, like, it's not going to happen to me. It's going to happen to other people. But I'll get through this, like, untouched to somebody. So... So um, I remember sitting on this bus and sniffing, like opening up this other package at the back of it, and 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 like just sniffing the heroin, <laughs> and then people were all in the in the minibus, like just like chatting away or whatever they're doing, right? And there's music on or something like that, and I'm sniffing heroin, and I think to myself when I look back and I think, my God, all it would have taken is one of those. Somebody just to look back mm-hmm. and just see you do it and then just go to the, when you go to the border, just say, that guy's taking, he was doing something. And then a bit, a bit curtains really. But I, you know, just that, uh, and it's a bit like when I, it's, it's the same type of really dangerous behavior. Like I remember coming back to Amsterdam and I put, uh, about 300 grams of heroin inside me and I got like, I got, like, I thought, I've not got much time to, to go and do that. I've got to get to the airport. I've got to wrap all this heroin up. And I've got all the balloons. I never used condoms in India, so it was balloons. I've got to get, I've got to get this all wrapped up, and I've got to get it inside me. Right? You need stomach. Yeah, I never put it through that way. I'd done the hash, I used to do the hash, I always used to put it through my stomach. Mm. But the, because that was fine, but I could only get, like, a kilo in, in my, my tummy. But, um... But with the heroin I put up and say, I had this, so put it all up my bum, right? <laughs> Basically, right? And you've got to do this, you've got to do this thing, right? With that, it's, it's, it's quite a mad thing. As you're pushing up another one, right? <laughs> it's getting a bit graphic. But as you're pushing up another one, I'd have to lie down and do a little bicycle as if I'm on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told me, I don't know if that even that worked, but it seemed to work and I'd push up another one, push up another one. And then, and then I'd just, it'd just be like, and I couldn't eat, obviously, because you're on the plate, you don't, you know, uh, how you're going to, and you're paranoid then if you don't eat, there's people on the plane that, that are watching to see people that don't eat because they know that they're carrying stuff in their tummy or whatever. So, um, yeah, uh, so the, the, where, where, where was it before? With, with the, on the way to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Which does lead on to another one about you getting mugged. But we've only got 10 minutes left for time to. Okay. <laughs> I, okay, right. Shall I just do the, uh, I, I'll just do the, the mugged one, right? The mugged one, get you Amsterdam. I get you Amsterdam that time. 
with that here. Right, so those guys, how mad is it that you, you allow... So I, I recruit these four guys, like junkies, really, addicts on the street in Delhi who are tourists, and I say, look, come back to the thing, mate, and I want you to help me wrap these these parcels. Right, so they're all doing it. They're all stoned, and they're wrapping these these packages that I'm shoving on and saying, look, all it takes is one seepage yeah. curtains, right? And yet I'm trusting, I'm trusting, I'm late, I'm giving sort of like saying, yeah, you wrap it for me. Uh, and I often think, my God, how, how, how lucky are you that that never, that one of them never burst or, or, or one of them was just like, oh, I could give, because I went, really, if I'm thinking about, if I'm in my addiction and I'm, somebody's giving me free heroin, I don't really give a shit, really. You know, when I'm when I'm in my di- addiction, it's like, I mean, all addictions, whether it be food, drugs, alcohol, sex, it's like if I can't eat it, sniff it, snort it, spend it, fuck it, I think <laughs> I'm not interested. Like my my addiction's all about consumption, about just getting this this high, this pleasure. So if I was sitting there, I wouldn't give a shit whether really the person died because I'm never going to see them again. I know it sounds really ruthless, but it's it is the way of it and. I get you, Amsterdam, <clears throat> and this is a this is crazy. I didn't have one guilt. I didn't have any money, right? I came and I had all this heroin, so I had like thirty thousand pounds worth of heroin inside me, and I had no money. I had no money, and and uh, and and obviously, right? I've got this inside me. I was dying to get so. I was like, I need to find. <laughs> so bad, man, right? I'm just remembering, I'm just to tell the truth, right? Yeah. I remember I couldn't find a toilet, right? I couldn't find a toilet thing, and it was, da- it was dark and it was that thing. And I remember, like, uh, there was back then there was barges, everybody had these barges. I remember going and talking to this barge, and then, uh, like, getting it all out on somebody's, on on their barge, right? <laughs> right, but they, of course, they didn't know that, I mean, it was all, I don't know if they were even in the barge at the time. And then I got, I got, I got it in a bag, and then I went, took most of the central station, cleaned it all, central station, put it in a locker on central station. I, I had, from the years before, I had this, when I used to do a lot of LSD and speed not back from there, I had this connection with this woman uh, and she said, oh yeah, I'll put you in touch with this this guy. It will sell some for you. I had no money to get back to England. So all I needed was like $50. Uh, all I needed was like um, like $50 or something, £50. Pounds. And she introduced me to this guy and he said to me, bring all the heroin with you. We'll go and do this deal. And for me, luckily for me, and yeah, he he was like, so we're walking, I meet him at 11 o'clock at night, which was also a bit shady. Anyway, we're walking down this underpass, this sort of place, and I'm standing beside the canal, and uh, he's like, I says, how far away is the guy? But I've only got 10 grams, I'd brought only 10 grams of the heroin, all the rest of it was in the, the deposit box. But he didn't know that, he thought I had the whole thing. And we're walking down, and then he says to me, uh, I say to him, wait, how far are we? And he, he, sa- he says, oh, it's not far, it's just that fl- those flats in the distance there. And then there's these two guys come out of the, the dark, bang, I get hit. Uh, my head, sort of, right, they hit me, 
they part, it's weird because they come past, these two guys come past us and I know the footstep that stops. I can hear, like it's cobbled, there, there was like stones on the thing and I could hear the foot, the, the, the feet stop, that they'd stopped at a certain, like just past me and then whack, I got whacked around the head and I hit the ground and the heroin was down in, in my in my sock and the guy, I remember, going, give us, where is it, where is it? Like, and then uh, I bounced back up. I bounced back up so quick. You wouldn't believe it. It was like, it must have been just a complete, <laughs> I was like, went down, boom, back up. And they couldn't believe. And I just started running. I just was like, <laughs> I just started legging it, man, legging it. And I think when I bounced back up, I said, what, what's going on? I said, like, I said and so they got a bit like shocked that I got back up so quick. But it was just pure adrenaline. It was not, it wasn't really any sort of magical secret to it. It was just like the fact that uh, then I started running and I ran straight into a bar, like the, one of these it was a bar and my head was all split open and then and then uh, the guys in the bar were like, oh, oh, we'll phone up an ambulance and then the next thing I was in the ho- I was in the, the thing and I can't remember what happened there. I remember sitting in a chair waiting to, and I, I must have got stitched up and then I was still in the same situation. I still had to sell, send some heroin to bring the rest of the heroin back here. So then I wound up meeting these other people who took me to a travelling site, big travelling site, and I gave them a commission and I just wound up selling. I remember it was late and I kept, but I was, I had some shock because I was a bit traumatised from the thing. I still had the fear around I'd just been like mugged really for my heroin. And, uh, you know, and then anyway, and then I got there, I got the money and then I came back across, hook a hall and Harridge, got here with the heroin, went to my friend's house and started selling heroin from here. But he was doing armed, he was doing these armed, ro- he was doing these. And then I remember like sitting with him in his kitchen. This is a crazy, because I remember I had all the heroin. He was going to get me the customers. And he was in the kitchen with these two girls. And he had the balaclava on and he had this replica. And he was going to do the garage. He's been doing garages all around the place. And he was practicing in front of these two girls. How he's going to do the robbery? Right? Stick up, yeah. Aye, he's going get down on your knees. You no, know, that time, <laughs> like these practicing. These two girls, these two girls, I remember going, and he's going, God, that's that. Yeah, that's it. You're doing it really well. I remember looking through at him in the kitchen, thinking, this is mad because if he gets nicked, yeah, the police are going to be coming back here. So, so, but so I went to another friend who was in a band. I wound up going to my friend, he he was in a band, famous, quite, well, not famous, but Alabama 3, he was like a good friend of mine, and uh, I went to uh, Jake's house, and then, um, and that was it, and then I, I was okay. Wow. I think, I think. Yeah, we've run out of time. <laughs> Mark, and if you want, you know, Mark is a master storyteller, as you can see, the, the way he describes everything in, in so much detail. But if you want even more detail, Nothing to declare. <laughs> Can people reach out to you and support you on socials, Mark? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, so uh, they can find me in lots of different ways. They can get me on uh, com. They can get me on uh, on Twitter at uh, uh, M Dempster or 
on Facebook. My book cover, so the name and then the book cover um, is my profile page. Yeah. So all the links for Mark will be in the description box below this video. You've got a quote of Russell Brand on here. I, Russell's a pal. Oh, He's oh, a good pal. Wow. I, Russell's a pal it's for train years. It's Trainspotting meets My Bookie Work and Mr. Nice in a Tartan Skirt. <laughs> I know Irvin as well. I know Irvin. I, uh, I know because, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Did people reach out to you after the last podcast you did? With I did, yeah, yeah. Good. Did, yeah, yeah, it was good. good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had a laugh. So, yeah, so please support our guest links. And if you want any organic cotton clothing from Jen. You know where to head to by now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you missed the Morocco story from part one, we will add it to part two. So stay tuned. Thanks Thank for watching. You. Cheers. Thank you. Great. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. Oh, is, it? is it okay? Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You're... Hilarious. You are just a natural, natural raconteur. Brilliant. This podcast is sponsored by Gadfly Press. We are proud to announce the publication of Britain's number one art forger, Max Brandert, The Life of a Cheeky Faker. And from the back cover blurb, Max the Forger is an artist and gentleman whose colourful lifestyle has spanned over 70 years. He has lived under the strict regime of Bernardo's children's homes, been an elephant handler in the circus, lived rough, busked his way from Brighton to Bombay, sold his fakes up and down the country, dined with dukes, socialised with celebrities, associated with gangsters, served time in prison, and donated tens of thousands to charity. And through it all, he has never stopped smiling and loving life and missing his mum. Quote from the book. Mr. Brandert, I do not see you as a malicious criminal, sighed the judge. But why, oh why, do you continue to use your God-given talent in this way? I just can't help myself, Your Honour. It's like an addiction, I grinned. Available worldwide on Amazon. Link in the description box below this video. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. Here at Boomer and Jen... We offer a wide range of organic or recycled clothing. We all know our planet is important. We only have this one. So it's vital that we all work together to slow down and reverse the changes to the environment. Whilst we all know that big industry are having a significant effect on pollution, here at Boomer and Gen, we believe that if we all make small changes, we can do our part. Fast fashion causes detrimental effects to the planet. Not only is nearly 20% of global wastewater produced by the fast fashion industry, but there is a considerable amount of fast fashion ending up in landfill. So let's move away from fast fashion items that are only worn once or twice and start wearing extremely comfortable, durable and environmentally friendly clothing and ethical jewellery. Boomer and Jen was founded in a quiet town in Devon in 2018. It has now gone from strength to strength as the world is becoming more aware of the current climate situation, helping our customers to buy sustainable, quality clothing. All of our products are fair trade and registered with the Global Organic Textiles Standard Association. Check us out on Organic Cotton Clothing dot 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.